Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Today, Ryan and I discuss... Invincible. Ah. That was an... You, you guys I see did, what you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't have a title card to throw in there, though. No, no, no. So, this is a follow-up episode <laughs> to... Ryan explains Invincible to somebody who's never watched Invincible. I watched Invincible, season one, and we're going to talk about that today. Full spoilers ahead for season one of Invincible. Season two is out as of the time of this recording, the first half of it anyway. I haven't seen very much of that one yet, and neither is Ryan, so we're going to refrain from any season two talk as much as absolutely possible. Um, shouldn't really be super relevant, but we'll get to season two review that when that season's done anyway. So I'm going to go from our extreme long shot into our medium shot here and just talk a little bit about my thoughts going into the show versus how I came out So, I think you did a decent job of explaining what this show was going to be. Uh, It's pretty much how I expected it to go. Not not necessarily in terms of the plot, but in terms of, okay, you you had my mind set up for, for goriness. You had my mind set up for... Uh, like the stuff with the girlfriend being a little bit weak. You had my stuff, your mind set up for Rexplode being very entertaining. Uh, the Guardians of the Globe being a pretty cool, uh, a pretty cool group. Uh, the Global Defense Agency and Cecil. I didn't really see where that went. You you kind of had me intrigued there, but I didn't uh, I didn't really see how that was going at all. Uh, the family dynamic was very important as well. So I, I think you, you you didn't you didn't go too far in explaining anything that I, I got spoiled, but you set my expectations well enough, I think, for for what it ended up being. I didn't end up disappointed by anything I recalled from your pitch. I'm like, oh well Ryan Good. talked about this and it set my expectations in a completely wrong direction. No, nothing like that. I think it's it's about what I expected after talking to you, and uh, but still pleasantly surprised in many sections of it for uh, for what it ended up being. Yeah, you may have overhyped the violence a little bit, like it wasn't as violent throughout as I expected. I was just expecting like balls to the wall violence constantly, and I'm like, it's there, and it's shocking when it is there, but it wasn't like as uh, prevalent in the show as I maybe expected. And that's, that's the only thing I can recall that I'm like, okay, maybe that's a little oversold for that. But it, so it's not like, it's very violent. Um, we already explained your history of the show on that last episode. Uh, Ryan explains invincible. So let's just get into our close up and you can finally, have at it with all the spoilers you wanted to tell me the first time. Omni-Man's bad? (sighs) (laughs) 
I only been needed to watch one episode to find that out. <laughs> yeah, that was the one I was like, should I reveal this? Like when I'm explaining it, but it's a great cliffhanger for episode one that I really did not and, want to do it. And I don't remember if we talked about this on air or off air, but I did say that I knew some things about the show. And that was basically right. the only one I'd seen the clip of. Well, okay. I didn't even see the whole clip at the time, but I had heard that he killed all the guardians of the globe. And I'd seen some still images from that. So I'm like, oh, I knew Omni-Man was bad. And I remember at the time being really pissed about that because, well, it's obviously it seemed like a major spoiler at the time. And then I watched the, the show and that all went down at the end of episode one. And I'm like, oh, good. The one thing I knew happened at the end of the pilot. So I'm, I'm basically... I have no idea what's happening for the rest of the show, and that's great. So I did see that coming, but it it got it out of the way early. So that sort of saved my experience for the rest of the series. And you know what? Kudos to them for getting it out of the way early. The evil Superman thing has been such a trope in the last 10 years that just just show us straight up. This, this guy is evil. <laughs> <laughs> It really sets the whole thing up, though, because Mark's story in this is, I don't want to call it mundane, but it's relatively, uh, we've seen stuff like this before. Kid gets powers, has to learn how to balance said powers uh, with his life. Thing, it's, it's messing up his social life, his grades, whatever. We see, like, it's a Peter Parker sort of conundrum. But to me, what really set this show apart was that beginning that his father is going to be the supervillain and we know that right away so even though mark is going through kind of a stereotypical hero's journey we're just waiting for it all to crumble around him we're like you're kind of dealing with oh my girlfriend yeah. doesn't really like me anymore but we know shit's coming on the horizon so big that this will seem like nothing by the time it hits him so we were just like yeah okay kid we can feel bad for you in the moment but we're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop and uh yeah and then when it when it finally does the yep the the blood flies all marks yeah <laughs> yeah and, what, uh, a, what a wild scene great payoff fantastic payoff i mean just how, like, you introduce all of these super, like, this Justice League type characters, right? And, like, okay, this is going to be the heroes for the show or whatever. If saving you don't Washington. know anything. Yeah, Saving Washington. They're basically the Justice League um, diet version. And then you, uh, at the very end of that episode, have Superman kill every single one of them. And the bloodiest fashion that you can in animation that they could have uh, around that time. Because they did have a pretty low budget for that show, but animation is still pretty decent. Um, yeah, just what a, like what a shocking cliffhanger to like hook people into the show. And the entire season is basically like, okay, why, like, why did he do this? And it's never really revealed until the very end. And probably one of the best TV finales that, uh, season finales that's come out in recent years. Um, agreed. Love Omni-Man. Love J.K. Simmons. Such a great character. 
see what I've heard compared to the original comics. I believe it was uh, an interview I saw with Robert Kirkman where he explained that in the comics, Omni-Man basically just wiped the floor with the Guardians of the Globe. No contest. Didn't even break a sweat. But in the show, it's actually somewhat of a challenge for him. He takes some beatings. It hospitalizes him for most of the second episode. And that changes to show... You know what? This guy is very tough. He could beat all of Earth's very best defenders single-handedly in one go, but it can also hurt him. Viltrumites yeah. are ridiculously strong, but they have limits. And that was important to establish at the end of that first episode. This guy's strong, but there is ways to beat him. But I also like how the show subverted that in the end, and then he, he, you know, Mark never even really stood a chance. The immortal sort of, like he heard him just before that battle, uh, stabbed his eyes, but Mark never stood a chance, never really hurt him at all, never even got a hit in in that last battle. So he established that they can be hurt and then never paid that off in this season which I think is brilliant set up for later because it's more of a long-term ploy. We know this is a, a, a thing we can pay off later, but everyone watching the show thinks, oh, well, that's going to pay off by season's end. It doesn't, and I love that. <laughs> yeah. He's just actually unbeatable for everyone on planet Earth at this time. Mm -hmm. Well, the way I took that he is vulnerable, it's not that I think individually... Yeah, he smokes every member of Guardians of the Globe. But when there's like eight superheroes getting up on him, uh, he's gonna be he's gonna get fucked up a little bit. It's probably why he went after the Speedster first. Um, oh no, he went after Immortal first, immortal from what I remember. Yeah, he's the most powerful easily. The Immortal nearly yeah, won one him. I mean, not that well, but the Immortal yeah, is the biggest. He was close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy how just how like powerful Omni Man is. Is it's funny because I think everybody knows of the YouTube channel Death Battle. They did like a uh, they did a version of Omni Man versus Homelander from the boys, and it was it was a funny episode. I like that one. I won't spoil it here, but it's a good one. Go watch it for people who haven't seen it. Um, it's intense. It's very intense. Uh, yeah, I loved Omni Man as a character. Which is weird to say, because he's a terrible person. But <laughs> it's just the way J.K. Simmons, his performance is immaculate. He's, it, it's weird. It's, it is just his voice, but he does great voice acting. Um, he puts so much emotion into himself and Omni-Man's, like, motivations for Mark and what he feels is right, but... He knows, like, deep down it can't be, and he's saying things that hurt Mark that he doesn't really believe. Um, but he just has to say it because he's got to do, you know, what he's got to do for the greater good, for the Viltrumites. And, you know, it, it's... it's That final episode is so good because... Not because of the fight scene. I mean, the fights are great. I mean, Mark's getting his ass kicked, but just the personal story. Yeah. You know, superheroes fight. Oh no, people die. Yeah, it happens, Man of Steel haters. And, but just like the personal story between 
Mark and Arm, uh, Omni Man is is what really drives forward that final episode and what makes it so powerful. I mean, I tear up every time when Omni Man's like, "What will you have after five hundred years?" And Mark says, "You, I still Dad, have you. I still have you." No, that and that animated, and it doesn't yeah. like things don't usually get me, but I, I didn't even really expect to feel that. I'm like, oh, this is really cool action. I'm like, mm-hmm. I am invested in this. And then he said that, and I teared up. I'm like, where's this coming from? Yeah, why am I emotional all of a sudden? And then I'm it's more the slow, than I realized. the slow animation of like Omni Man's realization of like, fuck, what did I just do? Is so well done. Right um, after his whole life. I, like, what's another 17 years in my lifespan? I could make a new kid. What's what a savage line? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That piece of animation. Here's a very weird comparison. It's very niche, but that piece of like animation where he's like slowly realizing what he did. His eyebrows are raised and he's starting to like heavy breathe. Kind of reminds me of that the one moment in Beauty and the Beast where like it's the final confrontation. And the beast has like an angry face, but then it's slowly animated to his like face getting softer. Mm. I, I just that made me think of that. Beating Beast is a great movie. There. <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing about Omni Man is if you just think about it in the context of that last speech, where he talks about, "Well, oh, yeah, my lifespan's ridiculously long, and I was sent here to Earth to." eliminate its greatest champions, prepare it for entry into the Viltrumite Empire. And then he spent the last 20 years being a costumed superhero. Yeah. I just love the <laughs> idea that in the grand scheme of this guy's life, he's basically just going through a phase. He's like, this is stupid, but I'll do it for a while because it's funny. It amuses yeah. me. And everyone's yeah. like, wow, you're our hero. You're... You're the world's greatest protector. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just biding my time. I'm just, this is kind of fun for a little while. And we're at the point in the show now where it's not fun for him anymore. And he's just, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm done. Well, it's great that like, he's sort of content with just being human for a little bit, sort of. And then when Mark gets his powers, finally, that's where he kind of, yeah, he like dreads it. He's like, fuck. Now I have to now I have to do this. And I gotta weaken and I gotta murder all my friends. Yeah. That was the catalyst. Uh but they weren't really his friend. I mean, it's hard to say. Because coworkers. He does seem, <laughs> co-workers. I mean, he does what I mean is he does seem to have some remorse when uh when Mark says, though, I'd have you dad. And he's thinking about that time when he's like, well, why am I watching or watching meaningless sports games? Think about how much I could be doing. And he's like, Hey, we, we made that child out there and his joys or your joys. So just experience that. And he starts to have that realization of human connection and be like a real father. So I do think there was a part of him that cared for people in a way, but once oh, again, for sure. like, like with Debbie, I heard that was a TV like, edition like a too. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that, oh my God. Savage. What a terrible line. Imagine hearing that from your dad about your mom. Ooh. Yes. I, of course I cared for her, but more like a pet. What? <laughs> and she heard that. 
That was the worst. Terrible. Terrible. But yeah. I think what, besides the Omni-Man plot, I think what the show really excels at is the sort of episodic stuff that it does as well. Yes. I mean, there's the uh, the university visit. Um, that was savage, rob- too. That was... That was Those wild. robots were very creepy to me. Yeah. The body horror very there. Very dark. Mm-hmm. Like, I, William wasn't my favorite character, but once again, like, I didn't realize how emotionally invested I was until his boyfriend got captured and mutilated by these things. Care more about William than Amber. I can say that. <laughs> Amber, I have mixed feelings on. Should we get in there talking about her right now or still talk about she's such a pick me that's all she is it's like okay now i can finally talk about it where it's like okay she does like the trope of oh the girlfriend's not like you're you're mad you're a superhero your girlfriend's mad you're not there all the time and then she does the reveal of oh i knew the whole time but i'm still mad at you huh so you're mad at me for leaving you in the university to fight the things that were trying to kill you. But your reason for being mad at me is that Mark left you in danger, but Mark didn't leave you in danger because you know, I'm invincible. She was mad at him for not saying anything was the thing, but I also like the theory that she's, she's playing more coy than, than she's like that at the university she didn't know but by the time he revealed it she's like i knew the whole time whatever she i think really. she's still a pick me <laughs> i'd like amber on paper she's she's a good spirited person wants to stand up to injustice and bullies and dedicates her time to the <clears throat> to the to the soup kitchen that's that's noble she wants to get good grades and just expects her boyfriend to be considerate of her time and her family, make plans, stick to them, communicate. And Mark is kind of very bad at that. He doesn't tell her when he's going to be late. He makes thinly veiled excuses, obvious lies, and she just kind of, she likes him enough to put up with it. So I do see from her perspective as well. And Mark's not really that good a boyfriend back to her. But on on one on some level, she is very impatient with him. Like the the college campus is what really got me annoyed when he left for two seconds, presumably running for his life, and then he shows back up. Where were you? Like, well, not everyone wants to stick around and yeah, blasted like, by murder robots. So what? He's a bit of a coward, right? Is yeah. It's just it's it's ridiculous. And she got so mad at him, and then and then the reveal that she oh she knew the whole time that pissed me off even more because I'm like, really? I understood you. Being, then now she has no argument. Yeah, she has no got, some, she has no argument now. I had some empathy for her being impatient with him before because. Fine, but if you knew what he was doing the whole time, now you're just mad he didn't tell you. Okay, but see, to me, that's not a. It's not a problem with the writing. It's just frustrating. Like I don't have a problem with her as a character. 
she just frustrates me and there is a oh difference. no yeah i'm not it for me it's not yeah that's what i'm saying it's not i'm not saying the writing around her is bad i it's just consistent. saying i hate her <laughs> it's yeah. she's consistently annoying and consistently just a bad girlfriend to mark and i'm like mark's not the greatest boyfriend but she's not like it constantly she's making it about her and it's like yeah you know, there's like, I, I get it. You're in like, there's just expectations to have when you're in a relationship, but you know, you know, he's a superhero and he's out there like fighting people. Like, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen season one in a bit. It's been a few months. I'm pretty sure she got mad at him when he was in the hospital. <laughs> like she, he didn't call her for some reason when after he got into that fight with battle beast Great episode, by the way. I told you I love uh, Battle Beast. No, she was mad at him for that, and then Eve covered. It was like he right. got hit by yeah. a bus. Oh, no, no, she was mad after him, though, because he wouldn't let her visit or anything. Like, you got hit by a bus, and you didn't... And then he tried to pivot and was like, oh, well, no family only. They wouldn't let anybody else come. Oh, well. Deal with it, Amber. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I also think it's realistic for uh, for a teenage relationship. He's just oh, for sure. He's at that point in his life where what this this pretty girl likes me and she's she's willing to go on dates with me and and I, I'm just like yeah, I'll, I'm not that good at at being a boyfriend. I have the superhero thing I want to do too, but how can I pass this up? Yeah. Doesn't matter that she's no. Not it's very that, realistic. It doesn't matter if she's not that great a catch, but of course he's gonna. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just waiting for the day for Mark to dump her, and then they can she can get together with Adam Eve. <laughs> yeah, their chemistry was very good this season. Yeah, I love their chemistry. I love their. I love how they like almost have a meet cute, and they're kind of in both separate uh, relationships. But then you yeah. still you see seeds of like their potential relationship uh, relationship blossoming. And I think well, that's that really sad. That was one of the sad scenes I think in uh, this season with with Adam Eve was when she caught Rex Blode cheating on her with Duplicate. One of the first people she wanted to go tell was Mark, and then she catches him making out with Hammer in, um, in, in at his house. And was mm -hmm. like, well, yeah, okay, but he was the first one she went to. That's right. Mark ain't no backup plan for nobody. <laughs> <laughs> and even she was like, okay, fair enough. I'm just yeah, I like the way away. she treated it. I like the way she was like, good for you. And that's not really touched on. Um, Adam Eve voiced by the brilliant Jillian Jacobs, which I love. The whole Adam Eve plot with Mark was subversive. You think, oh, the two superhero leads, they're going to get together. Even at the beginning there, when they met during that one big fight with the interdimensional aliens, and then he just finds her at school the next day. Eve? Oh, you're invincible, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to you wanna come to the... Uh, the uh, well, I don't remember what they called themselves. Not the Teen Titans, but the... Oh, my God. What is the team? The, the team oh, team. Oh, man. Team team. So they, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, why don't you just uh, come out to the team team clubhouse later? 
Sure. I, I just like how quick that all happened. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't mess around with secret identities or anything stupid. They're just, oh, I just recognized you instantly. And now let's just be friends because why not? Can we talk about how Adam Eve's power? She's basically just a god. She can yep. <laughs> change matter on a okay. Okay. molecular level. I know I said we didn't. I know we said we we weren't going to bring up season two a lot, but the Adam Eve special that they released does make clear that her powers don't extend to organic matter. Like she can't oh, okay. influence living creatures. Right. Yeah. She can change. She can make an apple 24 karat gold though. Yes. But she can't but she can't change to be fair, if I had a, anything. Regardless of principle, if I had a daughter who just made certain items out of gold, I wouldn't be mad at her. But that's yeah. my unrealistic take on it. <laughs> that's a season two discussion, but her dad mostly came off as a prick in this season. But I also, for the context of this season, kind of understood where he was coming from, even though he presented himself badly. Yeah. Like, well, as a parent, you really want your daughter out there fighting crime, even though she's got, like, the dad presented it in a more misogynistic way. Like, what are you as a woman doing out there fighting stuff? Like, why don't you have a explode your boyfriend there to defend you and whatever? But even just watching it, it's like, well, even though she's got the power to defend herself, do you still want her out there fighting, picking fights in the first place? Right, yeah. When she could just be living a safe, normal life. Which, of course, she doesn't want, but as a parent, don't you want that? He's just presenting it in the most offensive way possible, but his heart's Mm -hmm. kind of in the right place, is the funny thing. A very well-written, toxic dad. Yeah. I, I respect where he's coming from, but his presentation style is good for drama and makes it it's a nuanced take. It's pretty compelling, just with that supporting character. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many supporting characters in the show, and there's so many just, like, A-list actors doing voiceover work as well. It's insane, the casting budget on this show. <laughs> like, <laughs> And no offense to Mark, but he's one of the least interesting characters in the show, in season one. His supporting cast yeah. outshines him at most opportunities. When yeah, you think of Mark sure. this season, what's Mark actually doing? He's he's trying to he's handle training. his relationship with Amber. He's training a bit with his dad. And he's just trying to be like balance school and a girlfriend and superhero responsibilities. Okay. It's it's kind of like I said, it's the story we've seen before. But when you think about the everybody else, like, oh, Adam Eve's got this this crisis of identity. I've got these powers. Like, what am I doing this superhero thing for when I could actually use my powers for more practical means? The Guardians of the Globe are trying to reform and become a team. Uh, you have all these really interesting competing personalities. Rexplode, Monster Girl, Robot, uh, Black Samson. They're all trying to get this team working. You got... Cecil, who's got all these weird underlying motivations, who nobody really knows what his end game is. We got Damien Darkblood investigating Omni Man. We have Omni Man. Even, uh, even Debbie's got a more interesting story than Mark trying to investigate whether her husband's a murderer. Yeah, and the supporting I can, cast I can, in the show is phenomenal. Yeah, 
and I could go on, but they're just the Mahler twins even have more going on than Mark. Oh my like god, every, the Mahler twins are hilarious. That sounds like something the original would think. I knew they'd be right up your alley. <laughs> yeah. Just their whole humor. <laughs> no, I, lo- I love it. I also love the scene I'm when... I'm the original, you idiot. I also love the scene when they made... They switched Robot's body. And even though he's in the body of, like, a preteen Rexplode, he still couldn't tell that the uh, the disfigured human being on the yeah. other slab wasn't the original. Like, am I the original? Or is that... And the Mahler mm-hmm. twins are like, yeah, we programmed it so you couldn't tell the difference, except in your case, it's a bit more obvious. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I love the, like, it's, like, it's also smartly explained, too, where it's, where they're explained to Robot, the disfigured one. He's like, you know, when we transfer you over, you're, you are still going to be in your body. Like, you are, because, like, that would realistically happen. You know, like, if you clone yourself, it's just, you're not going to transfer over. There's just going to be another you. And I like the idea that he basically committed suicide there. Yeah. I did what I, I did what I wanted to do. And now you, you go on. I don't want to live anymore. I like this. Just constant pain my whole life. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty wild, um, twist with, with who Robot is like behind the scenes. I did not see that coming at all. I thought it was going to be the way they were leading up to it. I thought it was going to be, he was a guy once and now his consciousness, something happened to his body. So his consciousness is just in a machine. And that's why I thought he was growing the body because, okay, I was a guy once my consciousness is in a machine and now I want to grow another body for myself. But then Mm -hmm. the twist came that, oh no, he was a real guy the entire time. He's just living a wor- the worst version of his life possible. And he just kind of wants a physical reset. Yeah. Specifically to get with a Pretty 13-year-old sad. girl, but... Uh, yeah, well... No, I'm, okay, I know she's like our age. She's... Yeah, that's, uh, it's interesting. She's 24-ish, <laughs> they said. How do you feel about Rexplode? I love him. <laughs> He's the best what comic relationship. It's <laughs> a good impression. He's yeah, got I the weirdest not. voice, but it's like it works so well for that character because he just—he's no pun intended—he's bombastic. Yep, very much so. I love his relationship with Monster Girl when he calls her kid one too many times and then she tosses him into the fight arena and starts kicking his ass. Beats the living shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. And then they become friends. Yeah. Like friends. I love how he's best friends with Monster Girl after that. The two of them just bounce yeah, off so each funny. other really well. It's funny because <laughs> in the first few episodes, he's such an asshole and to Invincible and to and to Adam Eve. And then to me, it was his relationship with Monster Girl that really humanized him and said, oh, okay, here's what people see in this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He sucks, but he's charming. Mm-hmm. He uses jokes as a coping mechanism. Um. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's definitely probably like my least favorite character, but he's still like well written. I, I like he's still got funny jokes. He's there for a reason. Um, look, I think he, out of everyone this season, he has a place. <laughs> he's still got more to do than duplicate or the shrinking one whose name I don't yeah. even remember. I think it's shrink ray or something. Shrink ray. Yeah. Let's see. Shrinking ray. Shrinking so it's shrinking space R A E. Oh yeah. And that's voiced by the same uh, woman who did Azula. So there we go. Mm-hmm. It was 14 canonically. We're st- I'm still not over it. <laughs> that, nope. It's weird. All right. Uh, What about, yeah, the villains in the show, some of the the one-off villains. Waller twins, they're the, the writers knew the Waller twins were the best ones too. It's why they kept bringing Mm -hmm. them back. Yeah. Waller twins are great. Um, I've mentioned it before, but Battle Beast, he's not in it a lot, but I just love him so much. (laughs) <laughs> one episode plus one scene. Yeah. I just love how like ruthless he is and how much shit talking he does. Oh, he destroyed the Guardians too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's this gladiator, like giant white lion. That was it's a great amazing. battle. So good. Yeah. I didn't expect oh, the, the mob battle boss. That... The mob yep. boss who's got like auto tune is so funny. Machine machine head. Yeah. I didn't expect that battle to get that bad. Yeah. It comes out of nowhere. It escalates very quickly. Okay, so Invincible and Titan are just going to go take down this mob boss. And then suddenly all the Guardians of the Globe are hospitalized, basically, in one battle. Yeah. I thought mm-hmm. they just killed Monster Girl and Black Samson just like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that goes into Black Samson's story where he gets like his powers back because he's like on the brink of death. Which is interesting. I like his backstory. It's like he used to have powers and then they got taken away or something. He used to he be was... in the Guardians of the Globe. He was one of yeah. the original founding members. Mm-hmm. And he lost his uh his powers. I can't remember why he lost his powers. They didn't explain. They don't need to. Um, <laughs> now I'm a defender of that debate. Shit! Damn it, Joe. Yeah. Look what you've done to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. That was like a sh- just like a shocking episode where it went from it just escalated, just kept going up and up and up and up. Insane. I love that mob boss though. Where <laughs> it's like, you work for me. <laughs> just the auto tune comes in randomly. Yeah, that was a good one because Mark had to finally learn use his powers for the little guy. Even though Omni yeah. Man was talking in his ear, oh, don't waste time with that. You you deal with the big stuff. The giant monsters and whatever. And Amber's getting in Mark's ear. Oh, you know, you got to help the the little guys at the soup kitchens and whatnot. So I like how it gives him multiple perspectives on being a hero. Yeah, for sure. It's also, it's very foreshadowing as well when Mark is like on the brink of death and Omni-Man is just hovering over the whole thing. Or he's, well, he's watching the whole battle, but he's just like... He's just, like, disappointed in what he's seen. <laughs> yes. True. True. So. I don't think, I think my least favorite episode is, like, the Mars one. Yeah. 
And it's not bad by any stretch. I did. It's not bad. I like the Mars one. Yeah. His first solo mission. Mm-hmm. Literally. He just <laughs> he's just watching videos on his phone until his phone goes dead and then he looks up. Where did everyone go? What so uh, funny. Damn it. <laughs> and then he meets the Martians. Well, we we can repel the the invaders, but if any one of you comes here, then uh, it might kill everything. Oh, okay. Well, we're just, we're just gonna go. Um, and then one gets out. Mm-hmm. See, I thought it was funny how there were so many dangling plot threads this season that I wondered if it was just gonna be a running gag that. They just leave all these plot threads to dangle and never resolve them. And then there was that montage at the end of the season that showed, okay, they are all going to be relevant going forward. Mm. And I really appreciated that. Well, I kind of liked all like the hanging plot threads because that felt very comic booky to me. You know what I mean? Like at the end of a comic book, it will show like one last thing and then not everything move on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciated that. And then, but I don't know if I would have felt the same if they didn't do that montage at the end of the, at the end of the season. I would have been disappointed if they didn't, just because of how they ended it with the original Guardians of the Globe are all dead, Omni-Man and Invincible, Omni-Man's gone, um, Invincible's still not that great a fighter, and your new Guardians of the Globe are basically all teenagers, and all these potentially world-ending events are going on in the background. It just feels like, Okay, we needed we needed to acknowledge that yeah, there's still something. a thing. Yeah. I also love how it ended with I think his name's Alan the Alien. He had that yes. with Seth Rogen. <laughs> he mm-hmm. had that big yeah. fist fight with him and then there's like time out. Just sit on the moon. Is isn't this Earth? No, it's Earth. <laughs> oh He's like Are you sure? <laughs> You're going to be well, so it's hilarious. Mad at me. I loved it. it was like, are you using our timeout? I get a timeout? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the rules. <laughs> it's just like a friendly space police. <laughs> yeah. What Green Lantern should have been or could be. I don't know. Basically is. Yeah. Except you doesn't get the, the show. planets wrong. That's right. right. Yeah. Ooh, wrath. Oh, this is Earth. Are you sure? <laughs> Just doesn't want to be wrong. He neglected to mention there was a Viltrumite on the planet. Oh, no. That really freaked Alan out at the end. Yeah, he like sprints over. <laughs> He's like, oh, good, Invincible. I have to tell you, there's a Viltrumite on your planet. Yeah, I know. And then I love how oh. Invincible just throws the rock down. Take a seat. <laughs> what are you going to do now? I guess I'll finish high school. Cool. What's a high school? (laughs) (laughs) Good ending. Great ending. Yeah. I love their teaser too for the second season was like them talking at like a burger joint. Both him and Alan. And then the animation is even more choppy. (laughs) I didn't. I don't think I saw that teaser actually. No, I don't think you did. It's it's funny. I just got. I went basically right from season one into yeah. season two. I wasn't looking up any promotional. It's basically see. that it was the, like a teaser early on this year. I think it was basically them saying it's coming. 
just be patient. <laughs> Got it. Like it wasn't even a trailer. It was just like a commentary of the creators being like, season two's coming. Just give us some time. See, then there was Doc Seismic. Yeah. What a psychopath. <laughs> I love him. He's, he has, a th- he hates the, the founding fathers. It's like, yeah, you're a bunch of racist, white privileged men. I hate you. And this country's built on slavery and oppression. And, yeah. He's just super he's like woke, a, but evil. Yeah. He's a keyboard warrior with like uh, powers. It's ridiculous. Yeah. With seismic abilities. He's so funny. Oh, I was about to say a joke from season two. I don't want to spoil it here, but it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know the one you're getting at. Uh, then D.A. Sinclair, the guy who made the robots. See, this is what I love about Cecil is that. He knows it's disgusting and he was actually nearly sick by it, uh, by what D.A. Sinclair did with those people. But he's also, those things nearly took down a Viltrumite. We need to, we need this technology. Yeah. Cecil's probably one of the best characters, I feel. Cause of, sure. Because he's like on both sides almost. He's He's got good qualities and bad qualities. He doesn't. His thing is the defense of Earth at any means necessary. He will get a mutilator like D.A. Sinclair on his side just because he has technology which might hurt Omni-Man because he knows that the lesser evil is working with this guy than letting Omni-Man destroy the entire world. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even when um, Damien Darkblood... Is that Darkblood? Yeah. Yeah. When he's investigating the he guardian's back deaths, to hell. sends him back to hell. And he's like, and they both, it's weird because they're both on the same side, but he can't have yes. Damien expose him because yeah, he needs was, it to be a secret. That was a great twist. Yeah. I say I send you to hell. <laughs> or I can't remember what he says. He said he can't send him back to hell because he's got, the, he, he destroyed the parchment Hundreds of years ago. Well, we pieced it back together. Yeah. (laughs) So good. I love Cecil because he's like, he's every guy behind the chair to the extreme, but it's, he's still like rooted in some reality. But that's why I respect him because they could have easily made him a bad guy too. Yeah. They could have said the global defense agency's corrupt and the guy giving out all the superhero missions is evil, but they said, no, He's a little sketchy. He's kind of an anti-hero, but he is a good guy. Yeah. And he's I like very how much he's, like he's very much like Varys in Game of Thrones, which I know you won't know, but it's very much yeah. like for the good of the world, for the good of the realm, like doesn't matter what side I choose as long as it's the right one. It's like what's good for the world. And yes. I might have to make good decisions and I might have to make bad decisions. And I like how despite the fact that Omni-Man turned out evil, that Debbie still didn't like Cecil. She and... Yeah. Yeah, she and Omni-Man never really liked him, and she still continued not to like him, even after. Probably because he sent Mark right in the fray of it, too. Like, well... Yeah, that could be it. (laughs) Your son is the only one who can stop your husband at this point. And that giant beast that we recommissioned to the space laser oh didn't do yeah. it the immortal didn't do it 
the beast didn't do it. The robots didn't do it. Everything he was gathering throughout the whole season couldn't do it. Sent out the kaiju with ten times full of testosterone, and we took out its pain. His, yeah, it's his pain, pain system. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, Cecil!" <laughs> it almost worked, and then Mark came in. Yeah. 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 God damn it, Mark. <laughs> Think, Mark. <laughs> Think, Mark. Think. Um, yeah, when it comes to that final fight, the thing that sticks out with me is the, the train. Oof. This time holds you'll Mark's. Yep. Holds Mark's head up like a battering ram and just lets the train go through him and all the people on it. Absolutely insane. That was ridiculous. I was blown away by that. Like it's such a simple action scene, but it's so impactful. Just the hero yeah. getting And this is I mean, I know I I've defended Man of Steel before, but this is more what I wanted to see from Man of Steel where the bad guy was so powerful, Mark, he could not have done anything. He he had his head gripped. He's struggling. And the bad guy and like the civilians are just plowing right through him or the scene just before that, when he got knocked through the building and then the building starts crumbling and he's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta stop the building from falling. And then the, the woman and her daughter are in the thing and he catches her arm and the little girl's still in the building and then the whole building collapses. And then Mark just, he's still holding the woman's hand and then he pulls it up and it's just a severed arm crazy and then omni man oh. takes him to the subway yeah takes him for the ride on the tube oh wait that's yes. in england oh well um <laughs> yeah just like insane just the character arc of omni man just how he becomes absolutely savage by that fight just fully embracing his uh filtramite ways his way of thinking it's it's insane yeah I love how yeah, Viltrum, the, what's their plan? I don't even know. Is it just Viltrum? I think so. Yeah. It's just basically, what if all of the Kryptonians lived and they had the superpowers? And a lot of them are just bad. Well, the best theory I've heard for why Mark kind of sucks compared to other Viltrumites is because the Omni-Man talked about how his culture had that basically purge of themselves where right. all the all the absolute strongest survive and all the weak were called. So he's among the most powerful of his whole species, and he's lived for hundreds of years. Mark is 17 years old and lived a pretty cushy life for that 17 years. Oh, yeah. So he's not... Like, maybe physically they have the same capabilities, but he's not... He's never going to be as strong as Omni-Man whose entire life was forged through hardship. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was completely fine with Invincible getting his ass kicked because <laughs> he doesn't have that much experience as Omni-Man. And well, what I also probably like about deserves him, to get his butt kicked. Not deserves. What but. I like about Mark losing almost every fight is that it's also a parallel to how teenagers see themselves. Right. They A lot of teenagers do think of themselves as Invincible, but they're too inexperienced and 
cocky to realize that, yeah, you're young and you're healthy and you're going to bounce back faster than older people, but you still can be hurt and taken down a peg and even permanently sometimes. And it's funny because it's all relative, right? Even as a teenager, I think of myself and, oh yeah, I'm smarter than the other kids. I'm wiser. I'm, I don't think of myself as invincible. I'm safer. And then me at 25, I look back on me 10 years ago and say, yeah, there was some stuff I would not do now if I could do things again. Yeah. I wouldn't take, not to say anything went super badly for me, but I'm like, I wouldn't take the same risks nowadays that I did back then. Not necessarily yeah. stuff to put me in physical danger, but I'm like, mm, yeah, teenage me would have done it just more risky just because that's how my brain worked at the time. And that's how everyone's worked. We all thought we'd get away with more than we could. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love how, like, cocky Mark is a little bit sometimes, and he gets his ass kicked, like, every time. Every time he gets a little bit more and more cocky, he just gets his ass kicked. Yeah, everyone makes fun of his name, too. Mm, sounds like wishful thinking. Mm, Let's yeah. see if uh, he lives up to his name. Mm -hmm. And I love how at the end of uh, each episode, the title card gets bloodier and bloodier. Yes. Yes, it's a good... It's subtle, but it prepares us for the end of the season. Yes. Because it, the first episode says Omni-Man is a threat who can take down the experienced Guardians of the Globe. And like I said, the entire season is just, we're waiting for this to pay off. The, the entire time, every drop of blood on the screen on the title card just says... All right, we're getting there. One of my favorite scenes in the season was when Debbie found the suit and took it to Art. And Art explained, okay, well, based on the markings on this suit, he clearly was attacked by the Guardians of the Globe based on all the, the spatters I found on the suit. And Debbie said, oh, well, that... Uh, that doesn't prove anything. He didn't necessarily attack them first. That's, that's sure. He fought with them. Okay. And then Art said, okay, but I got some bad news for you. And he said, well, the way blood oxidizes, you can tell when it was exposed to air and the oldest blood on the suit is on Nolan's fist. He attacked first. Yeah. That was a crazy, like, reveal to Debbie. And um, I love Art. And when, like, Omni-Man, like, somewhat confronts Art, I was like, oh, please have don't a... kill off Mark Hamill. <laughs> they just have an awkward beer on the roof. Yeah. I love I how was Mark very... Hamill is the costume guy. <laughs> yes. I was very scared I was for very Art. worried for him. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if he died. it wasn't explored too much, but I don't think it needed to be. It felt like Art was Omni-Man's probably closest friend he had on Earth. It felt like. Like, I felt that connection between be. the two. Yeah. They had that, uh, that pic. He had that picture of him in the basement of them going fishing. Yeah. It was probably one of the only, like, humans Omni-Man really respected. Well, that's why 
Art and Debbie seem to find bonding in uh, in Omni Man going evil. They had the the drink of scotch together in the basement. And he helped her investigate. He they were the two closest people to him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty, of course, uh, he knew that. Very bummed when that happened. Yeah. I also like how they gave the last episode time to breathe, though. Because I anticipated it to be wall-to-wall action the entire time. And then was surprised to see that the action stopped less than halfway through. And the rest was just, okay, but how are we all feeling about this now? And what's the new status quo looking like? How are we going to get through this? And... I appreciate that the show showed some restraint to let the characters maul these things over. It didn't just end with Omni-Man flying into space, Mark's a bloody pulp, Chicago's a bloody pulp, and then that's it. The end. <laughs> yeah. It allowed time for what, like, a lot of what a lot of shows don't really do is it allowed time to see, like, the grief of it, like, yes. the initial impact of it, where most shows would wait to, like, next season, opening scene, for people to do that, but I love that it's mm-hmm. like, because it also allows the audience to take it in as well while also still watching the show. Yes. It not leaving it like, sorry, because I felt like if they just left it with like Mark on the mountain, it would have been kind of cliffhanger-y. But it would have been anticlimactic. Yeah. If it just ended there, it would have, wouldn't have been as good as it is. Yes. What I like about this show is to me, it's the dark back to the future in a way. Back to the future's whole thing was like, what if you can see your parents for who, like you don't know your parents as well as you think you do. And this is sort of that idea taken to the extreme. Mark, doesn't really know who his parents are. His dad specifically. His dad's his idol. Teaches him everything he knows. All the warning signs are there, but he's my dad. He's the greatest superhero on earth. He's my hero. And this is just his dad proving himself an exceptionally flawed human being and breaking his family apart. And now he's got to come to terms with that. Well, do I still love dad for the good parts, which I don't think were a lie? Or is Omni-Man the tyrant all I can remember him as now? Especially like he was saying, though, in 500 years, everybody else will be dead and they're all they're going to have. And that's what... That's what the idea that made me tear up. I'm like, well, everybody is going to be gone. And this guy who just beat you to a pulp, he's still your dad. He's your only family and he's all you're going to have left. That's like this in the grand scheme of your lives. Maybe this is just a rough patch. <laughs> it's a very rough patch. Yeah. Yeah. That is the but favorite who- thing about this this show for me is the dynamic between those two and just the just the relationship that they have with each other and especially 
Mark's feelings towards his own father. I mean, he's this terrible person, but it's the person who raised him. And before, you know, the the fight happened, he was his he was everything to Mark. He was everything he wanted to be. I mean, he emulates that through like the way he fights and the way he I mean, he even has his own like outbursts and anger sometimes and just kind of like Omni-Man. And it's just, it's such a crushing blow to both Mark and the audience because we relate to Mark so much um, when watching the show. And just to see like, <clears throat> when you see like a loved one go through that or like, like, like that betrayal towards you, it really stings. And I think the show did it brilliantly through the acting, the writing, all of it. I think they did a fantastic job. Agreed. I'm also very impressed with the way they handled non-superpowered characters too. Especially Mm -hmm. the mother. And Cecil too. But specifically Debbie. I She's great. One of my favorite moments in the show was that conversation they had early on when Mark's making craters in the backyard. And she said, well, when we were, when you were kids, it was always you and me and your super powered father. And now you have powers. It's, it's going to be you too. And I'm probably, I'm going to be the odd one out now, but, and she kind of knows that and accepts that. But she's also Mark's grounding. She's, like when Omni Man calls her a pet, that's what sets Mark off. It's mm-hmm. it's like, how could you say that about Mom? She may be powerless compared to us, and not gonna live as long in the grand scheme, or she may not really contribute that much to the world compared to what we do every day. But she's still a very important person, and the person who keeps us. Well, they, they, she's the one who gave Omni-Man his moral center, him falling in love with her. She's the, like, she is, she told him that she's the one who taught him to be a hero and how to be a good father. And she taught Mark how to be a good man too. She's really the, she's not the one with powers, but she's still the moral center of the whole family. Yeah. She's, she's like the, she's the anchor of that family. Yes. And as most moms are. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love Debbie and I love how she's like, she's just, she's just a strong symbol of what like a mom is and what she's a great like female character, really well written. Um, She's funny as well. I love Debbie. Um, Yeah. She's great. There's like, I, all I can say about her is that she's great. <laughs> I have no complaints. Wow. And I love her character. Well, her character progression is great because she's going from doubting that Omni-Man had anything to do with the Guardians and then slowly like realizing and accepting it. It's a very natural progression of like denial, denial, denial until she's seeing all the facts. It's like, oh, fuck. I can't have you be like around Mark. I can't have this. Like you got to leave. Yes. It's a very powerful scene too. 
and he doesn't destroy the house, right? He flies through the roof. Flies through the roof, yeah. <laughs> Very rude. Very inconvenient. Although maybe that was supposed to be a pun. Like, oh, if your dad was you heard about this, he'd fly through the roof. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Oh, well, that's... Oh, yeah. Did I also talk about how I thought Robot got off too easy? No, but he definitely did. Robot got off too easy. Yeah. I mean, I felt a little bit better Stole after... the DNA from... <laughs> From Rexplode and also Monster Girl, I think. Like a uh, bit. No, I think it was just Rexplode. Maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe just Rexplode. He took the DNA from Rexplode. He gave them the copy to help bring Immortal back to life, which, okay, their plan was to make it something they could control, and he obviously sabotaged that. Or, But he may not have known. I don't know. He could have just given them... The plans to bring Immortal back to life fully under control. He stole DNA from Rexplode. I thought he got Pete killed. For a while. When the Mahler twins broke out of jail and then they like slammed that guy's head on. Like the guy who gave Oh, him yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot his name I was thought, Pete. I thought, yeah. Sorry, I thought Robot Pete. got that guy killed too. He didn't. He just got a broken arm. He showed up at the end. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, really, Robot? You got this guy killed, and now we have to root for you? And then all that, and everyone just sort of forgave him. Rexplode was like, it's me. This is weird. And then everyone's like, yeah, but nobody likes you, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that was one of my complaints. I just thought he, he got off too easy. What I did like about this show, though, compared to getting off too easy, to me, the violence really showed this is what a more realistic superhero world would look like. Not everybody survives. Sometimes people meet bloody deaths. I think it's the nice, it's the perfect medium. Having not seen something like The Boys, seems to me that's the most grounded superheroes get. It's very cynical. People don't really do good things to do good things. It's all social media, uh, basically. It's all about optics of it. Whereas in Invincible, yeah, yeah, it's... it's Heroes are just traditional superheroes, but they exist in a world with real stakes where murder and battles make real mess... There's blood and broken bones and just mutilations and destroyed cities. There's real consequences for these titans fighting, but it is more in a traditional mold. It's kind of the perfect balance between grounded heroism and the heightened fantasy we're trained to expect. Yeah, yeah it's a great uh, realistic take on what a superhero world would be and... Yeah, I complete. I just completely agree with it. It would it would be probably this chaotic, this bloody, a bunch of these random weirdos, um, and I love how it just gets crazier and crazier. For sure, Invincible just reaffirms my belief that superhero content is best served on animation. Yep. 
live action stuff is fun, but let's be honest, it's mostly animation anyway. With just real action. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm. real animation, but it's it's like it's animation with real actors, but it's uncanny valley when done right. not that well. Animation lets you have that heightened superhero stuff. Like, okay, the, like, look at a movie like, let's say Nolan's Batman or Matt Reeves' Batman. Like, yeah, you, you can do Batman grounded. That's fine. But the comic books get to be way more colorful, get to have him face off against way crazier enemies. Like, you're not going to see that Batman fighting against Darkseid. Right. It's just, it's not going to happen. Like, maybe Ben Affleck's could have... But it's just, it's a lot harder on film. Like, the films have to be more grounded to be taken seriously. The uh, <coughs> the animations can do whatever they want and feel closer to the source material. Traditionally, that's where most of my favorite superhero movies have been in animation form. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, there's just... There's really no limit besides money-wise that you can do an animation. I it's mean, the look at blend. Yeah, look at any Batman animated thing. Watch the choreography, and you'll you will never be disappointed. The choreography fights in any animation thing ever is always the best because you don't have physical actors doing something that they possibly can't do. You just have a really talented artist using their imagination to have some of the greatest fights ever. Yeah. And it's not even Batman. It's also like Spider-Man or just the whole Justice League or even Avengers stuff. It's it's all of it. Agreed. Animation just captures these characters closer to their comic book roots than live action does. Yes. So that's all I have to say on Invincible Season 1. I'm ready to get into agree or disagree. Yeah, I'm all good. I mean, I've already explained the season and yeah. You <laughs> I'm talked pretty, about it. I'm for... not tapped out, but yeah. I'm good to move on. All right. I wrote this question to break you. Agree to disagree. What's the superior superhero animation? Invincible or Batman the Animated Series? Ooh. Okay. Ha. Huh. Well. Not having fully finished Batman the Animated Series. Or even Invincible now, to be fair. I'm still going to have to say Batman. Alright, so I got solely Invincible. Solely. Uh, because of just the performances there and how, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, just how really, like, it is the best version of Batman. It's the best version of the rogues gallery. Each episode is more episodic than an overarching arc. Um, Kevin Conroy, rest in peace. Died over a year ago. Still not over it. Um, Mark Hamill is phenomenal. The storylines in each episode are great. It feels like you're watching a comic book. 
movie or show. The plots are amazing. I mean, freaking The Heart of Ice won an Emmy. The Mr. Freeze episode. Um, so many great other episodes, too. There's the Mad Hatter one. Oh, that's kind of a spoiler. Sorry, everybody. Um, bunch of Joker episodes are amazing. Um, some of the best ever. I I am interested to see your argument for Invincible. Okay. Here's what I got to say. <coughs> Batman the Animated Series is peak comic book animation in its traditional form. Invincible is the best because it takes all the classic superhero tropes that Batman the Animated Series mastered and knows when to break them to be more subversive, more interesting, keep you guessing. Batman the Animated Series is great, but it's still along that traditional, predictable line. We always know Batman's going to win. We always know the bad guys will end up in Arkham Asylum at the end of the day. There's some really cool moral dilemmas to explore in that, but it is more formulaic. Invincible, you never really know what's going to happen. Death can stick. There's more consequences. Uh, Batman the Animated Series paved the way for violence in superhero animation, but Invincible's taking full advantage of this era of television and its budget to just get superheroes don't have to be for kids anymore. Batman, the animated series was working in the constraints of Fox, uh, in Fox. It had to be a Saturday morning cartoon targeted towards children. Invincible is treated with more respect than that. It took the road. It paid for quality storytelling and then can do anything with it now. So that's that's an argument I'll give to that. It it it's a very it good argument. Up, it picked up where it left off and improved in many ways. Sometimes I hate how smart you are and how you can just <laughs> take any side of the argument and make it. That's a good point, though. I like that. If there's but one you thing gonna, I'm good at, you're gonna look arguing. me. You're gonna look me in the eye and go against Kevin Conroy. I can't do that. <laughs> because I'm a because I'm virtually there, I won't. My eyes won't line up. Um, oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> we talked about your sarcasm before this episode. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just I'd like to be able to compare these series a little more thoroughly once Invincible's finished. It's hard to make a Invincible's the best ever just off of one season. But I can right. see how it could dethrone Batman the Animated Series as best superhero animation show ever if it keeps it up. Interesting. I really think it's got that potential. From I don't disagree. End. Yeah, it's just hard to go off of one season. I know. Um, that's why. When you that, said this, that's is gonna... why I figured it's a bit of a loaded question because I'm like, Batman's probably got a bit more going for it just in terms of numbers. But... When you said this was gonna break me, I thought you're gonna say I was afraid you're gonna say Batman v Superman or the Spectacular Spider-Man, and I would have left. I could not. <laughs> I couldn't pick. I wouldn't do it. It would pay me to choose either one. 
even thinking about it hurts. Yeah. I had to keep an invincible focus. Batman or because just because Batman, yeah. the animated series is the other gold standard invincible in terms of modern superhero animation seems to be the gold standard, but of all time, Batman still seems to get the most, yeah. the, the most conversations surrounding it. So, Oh, we forgot to mention that one invincible episode with the aliens keep invading. That's a good one. Yeah, that was that was a good. And then Omni Man yeah. just destroys. You don't seem all to understand. Earth isn't yours to conquer. It's like episode two or three, and you're like, "What do you mean? What do you mean?" <laughs> Omni Man, please. Foreshadowing. And I love the time skipping too. Like he's aging so much, or like he's got a full beard, but it's minutes for <laughs> like Mark yes. and Debbie. He's like, "Whoo! I'm gonna take a shower." You just eviscerated a planet. <laughs> that. Time moves way faster for them. So how long was yeah. he there? And it shows he doesn't age, really. Yeah. He was probably there like a month, I would assume. A month or two. Because his, like, his beard and shit was growing, but I wouldn't say it was years. Maybe. Yeah, so that's our agree to disagree. Um, Invincible might overtake Batman. Get him, comment see. section. <laughs> Get him. It's not fair. You're asking to do what they'll want to do every episode. Oh, no. How dare they? <laughs> Just going to pile on. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, you got more. All righty. No, I think I'm all good. Um, yeah, we'll definitely talk about season two when it's ends, um, which is sometime next year, apparently, because they're doing a Christmas break. January, Which I don't know. -ish. Yeah, I don't know if I agree or disagree with their choice of that. Like, I understand Kirkman's idea of it. Like, people aren't going to be watching it around the holidays, but also like release, just release it. You waited <laughs> two to three years, so wait a couple months. I can't be grateful. Physically, can't. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Well, you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlay Media. Also, check out the close-up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. Take care. <laughs>